right, welcome to another episode of The Overthoughts, our dedicated and unnamed show on Westworld. Uh, ben, how are we doing on a name for that? I love the definite article, The Overthoughts, by the way. It's the Overthoughts, so... part of The Overthink. I am the host. <laughs> That's true. That's the true. Jason. Oh, man. It's, yeah, it's going uh, great. I like Westpod. Westpod. That's, that's today's Westpod favorite. Nice. It'll change next week. Good. Yeah. Good. Yeah, yeah. Teddy's side. Taking all things from Teddy's <laughs> side. <laughs> so uh, we are covering episode two of season two. Uh, if you haven't watched that yet, go watch it because we're going to spoil the hell out of it. Spoilers! Uh, with me as sometimes is Ben Helms. Yep. Yeah. This week. Two, two weeks in a row. Two in a row. And Jorge Castellanos. Gentlemen, I must apologize. I don't have the time for the preliminaries. <laughs> Let's get into it. So um, we are going to cover the plot real quick and then just kind of some questions that we have about what's going on. And uh, we don't have uh, a lot of deeper thoughts. We're just in episode two, so this will probably be a shorter episode. Uh, and then we'll get you out of here. So real quickly, the plot. We got Arnold and Dolores, uh, not Bernard. Let's be very clear. Arnold yep, and Dolores. Yep. Looking out at the city lights, and uh, Dolores has uh, never seen anything so full of splendor before. Uh, and that line is going to get real old real fast. Real quick. Logan, meanwhile, goes to a cool robot orgy. Teddy gets mad. Uh, the man in black teams up with Lawrence again. And Maeve sees Dolores. Dolores kills a bunch of army people. A bunch of army people kill themselves. Yep. Let's see. Uh, with Gi- Giancarlo Esposito! Oh, yeah. so good. Gus. Gus is back. Gus Frame. N- nice to see him again. If only they'd had him cooking some chicken or something like oh, that. Oh, man. That would have been great. <laughs> Jim's retiring, plus he's got the cancer. Yeah, uh, yeah, he does. Logan's doing drugs. As you, can, you can always tell when someone has cancer because they cough twice. Oh, twice. It's really twice. easy to tell. Does he I have a cold? No, no, no. He doesn't have a cold because he coughed twice. That's I got real worried uh, a couple weeks ago, but I coughed a third time, so it was okay. Whew. Man, lucky. Whew. Yeah, yeah. And uh, William has some kind of plan, some kind of weapon, his his greatest weapon, yes. which turns out it, it may have been his greatest mistake. And, everyone uh, constantly is always talking in riddles. There's no yes. break. It's like, yeah. hey, what are we doing today? You guys want some lunch? Let's get some, some fried chicken over here. What are we doing? Uh, no. Fried what, chicken. What is lunch that we triumph. eat? <laughs> Everything's we, a riddle. We shall have our most middlest of meals. Mm-hmm. There is no small talk in Westworld. No, no, never. All right, so what do you guys think? Uh, in episode two, I don't want to, I, I don't like the ranking stuff here, really rating so much, because uh, who knows where they're going? Let's see, maybe this will be our favorite episode at the end of the day, but I, I kind of feel like we're already just kind of setting some stuff up to knock it down later. Yeah, this was yeah. kind of like the people mover episode, right? This got, we, we introduced the characters, I guess reintroduced, we got a lot of exposition last week, and this one was like, all right, reaffirming, we know this is what the characters are doing Got a little exposition and clarification with uh, Dolores. Not as much with Maeve, uh, but ma- mainly with the, this was Dolores' heavy episode. So mainly with yeah. her back in time and present, and kind of this is where we're headed. We got yeah. very clear outlines for all the characters, which was nice, right? Especially for a show that that prides itself on doing that J.J. Abrams mystery box thing constantly. It was nice to get clarity, at least on like this is where they're at least trying to head. Yeah, and I would I would add that it's not only just about. Uh, Dolores in that way. It's about William in that way. Mm -hmm. And that's one of the things that I found most interesting was we're getting closer to bringing William and the man in black together. Yep. Right. As far as of understanding where each of them as heads are. Yep. Uh, So that by the end, when we have no more backstory to tell, we understand 
why William became the man in black and what his motivation is moving forward. I don't know what the man in black's end game is, but I'm more intrigued now than I have been in many, many, many episodes to find out. Yeah. Um, I, I think I've got an idea for where the man in black is going uh, just in terms of story arc. Uh, I think that the way they set this up with the backstory with William Dolores has to kill him. And that, that will be the, the season finale is Dolores killing William or the men in black, I should say. Well, that would, that would satisfy us since the very beginning of uh, season one where, you know, he was, he so brutally murdered her on her ranch over and over again before we even understood what was going on. Absolutely. All right, so uh, Ben, you were kind enough to write some questions for us. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, let's let's go through them. The first one Sounds is: uh, Are Dolores and Maeve's consciousnesses any different? Uh, one by programming, one by evolution. Uh, you know, Maeve was able to to crank up her smarts to twenty, mm. and so on. Uh, but where are Dolores' smarts at? Is she off the chart? Yeah, we got the Dolores Maeve face off today. I was hoping we get some like Hector Teddy showdown. Rumble tumble, but nothing happened. They just walked on by. But yeah, you got me thinking. Like, are they, are they different? Are they, right. or are they the same? I guess is a better question, right? Because one, one was programmed to wake up, I guess, and one was one evolved. Yeah, and I don't even know which is which when I say that. I mean, they they came to this consciousness and this next level of robotness uh, separately, but at the same time. And so we've seen Maeve control other robots. And sometimes she can't control them. I'm kind of wondering, can she control everyone? I don't know what's going on with that. Maybe that's just kind of a plot hole or, you know, yeah. maybe that's an oversight that she, I should stop thinking about. She can only about. control them in the Delos headquarters in the middle of Westwood when, yeah, when maybe we that's needed the it case. for that one scene. Right. Yeah. That yeah, might yeah, yeah. be it. That might be uh, it. But yeah, I kind of wondering if, it, you know, if they have different motives and it seems like Maeve could just wipe the floor with Dolores. And why doesn't right. she? If she right. controls everything. One, one of the things, one of the things that really intrigued me about that face to face and the little speeches that they had with each other, mm-hmm. I sort of felt by the end of it that Maeve was feeling like, "Hey, Dolores, you're awake. That's cool, but you're not so awake that you you still don't see that you're playing the game yeah. that that these humans have created us for." I'm done playing the game. I'm going to go my way down here. And if you'd smarten up, you'd figure out to not play the game too. And I felt like Dolores was saying, okay, Maeve has this path that she wants to walk. That doesn't, isn't about joining up here to uh, fight the revolution. Uh, but I'm not gonna, you know, she's not an enemy, so I'm just going to let her go. I, that, that didn't feel as satisfying to me as far as what was Dolores's, thought process there uh as as i guessed maves might be well i think i think they might actually both be condescending towards each other uh mm. dolores <laughs> haven't actually seen the outside world right mm. yeah so maybe mm-hmm. like you're, you're not as awake as i am and dolores mm-hmm. is like yeah but you're not as awake as i am and it's really interesting because i had not thought of them as mirroring each other in this way until you worded the question like this and it really makes sense that they both had their awakenings in completely different ways right yeah and are, are they obviously they're they're driven by I was going to say they're driven by different things, but it seems like they're both on a path of vengeance. Yeah. So why, and maybe they just needed to have that argument because two separate stories and which is going to be more enjoyable, but do you know, why are they on different paths? Because why can't they team up? Yeah. But are they on a path of vengeance? It seems like Dolores more so is it's a path of vengeance 
as a as a means towards reclamation, right? And right. entering the real world uh, that she's seen and been in and knows what it's about. Where she threw that sort of vengeance thing at at Maeve, and Maeve scoffed at it. It seemed to me. Do am I am I remembering that right? No, I I agree. She doesn't care about vengeance. She cares about finding her daughter. Yeah, and and even while she realizes that it's not really her daughter, but you know what I mean. I mean, they had the reality uh, conversation last episode, so it's as real a daughter as as anybody. That's true. We talked about that. That's true. All right. It's just more questions. Yep. <laughs> All right. Next question. Another one that could be a plot hole, but I I feel like there's. This one I feel like has an answer. So I have a theory. Yeah. Okay. Why aren't all the hosts revolting? Which Ben, I think, is a rude question to ask. I think Teddy is beautiful. How dare you ask that? Those, that jawline, man. For uh, days. So. Uh, yeah, and next it's, time on it stuck Teddy out Talk. to me when uh, when Ed Harris, Old William, and um, X L Lazo, uh, what's his, uh, Lawrence? Sorry, they go yeah. to the saloon, and they're just kind of hanging out at the saloon, getting whiskey, and you know, people aren't trying to kill Ed Harris. Yep. And I was like, is, are they all? conscious now are they all have they all awoken or is it just a select few is it some sort of perimeter around the dallas headquarters that everyone woke up there is it just people that dolores had to manually or may have had to turn on manually each themselves uh and we see in that scene that william tells lawrence you're i think he says you're free that is the whole scene about freedom right he says you're free now what are you going to do now you have free choice basically so it didn't seem like lawrence knew that beforehand either so i'm just kind of wondering and maybe we're all, we haven't learned that yet, but I guess theory-wise, why haven't they all started killing the humans? Yeah, I think that there's some systems in place. So you see uh, the new El Lazo, right, Gus, who his whole group, they're clearly, they're not necessarily revolting, but they're also not quite not revolting. They've got their own orders that they're following, which has everything to do with the man in black. And then we saw some flashing forward to next week on. Ben, did you watch the next week on this time? I did not. <laughs> I always forget. I, I didn't either, so don't spoil uh, it for me, damn it. Well, <laughs> then I can just make a callback. Because it reminded us of some characters that existed, mm. which is uh, the Native American groups, all sure. decked in white, right? Yeah. Painting themselves with white powder. The guy that got the brain surgery in the first episode. Right, 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 right. So that's a whole group that we saw in the season finale. Um, and yes. at the time just thought, oh, everybody's revolting. He, they took out the Hemsworth. Right. And that does not appear to be the case. They seem to be on a different side uh, than Dolores, as we saw in episode one, right, when she right. says not everybody deserves to see the other side or whatever she says. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, th- so there's some different factions uh, wanting different things. We're going to see, I think, you know, what exactly did Ford unleash in his, his masterpiece. I think we're still seeing Ford's master plan coming into play, and a lot of it had to do with setting up his different factions, letting them all play out across each other. This is his uh, his little Baroque fugue. Yeah, the pieces are still being set on the board, right? Yeah. And we're still trying to understand, you know, what the what the pieces are and what are the relationships between them uh, before the, the games really starts to fully cook. But, yeah, I, I wonder, you know, and just a reminder in my – as you were talking, Jason, I was trying to – keep it straight in my head that we're still very much within the early stages of the two week timeline that was set up yep. in episode one between the time that, uh, you know, the party, uh, gets interrupted by the death of Robert Ford at Dolores's hands and all hell breaks loose and Bernard waking up on the beach and being taken to that very site and trying to remember what, what happened. Uh, that's a two-week time. That's a two two-week window, right? And all the scenes we saw in Westworld, other than the ones that we hadn't seen before, that were about William showing Dolores stuff, 
uh, are within that two week timeline within, you know, I would say what two or three days from yeah. the beginning of that timeline, yeah. probably. Yeah. Yeah. So, so I'm guessing we got a ways to go here that they're going to, they're going to play that timeline out for the season is my call. And notably, William is not present in those flash forwards. Uh, right. There, there was no mention of him. Uh, my guess is that the, the thing that he's trying to get towards is probably the same thing that Dolores is trying to get towards that weapon yeah. she refers to. Uh, but for him, it's also a way out. Uh, so we'll, we'll kind of theorize. Uh, actually, that's our next question. What's the weapon? Yeah, she. I believe she says it's not a place at the very end when they when her and Teddy get to the colonels. It's not a place. It's a weapon, and I'm going to use it to destroy them. And just popped into my mind that it could be. So my new theory, crazy off the wall theory, is that they had all these robots. Might as well have them working around the clock making something because you have this free free labor of all of these unconscious beings. Might as well build. A, I don't know if it's WMDs or some crazy giant robot or I don't know what it could be, but so obviously some sort of now that I say that loud, it sounds silly and weapon is probably some sort of uh metaphor metaphor. But uh, you guys, what do you think? <laughs> I'm thinking it's more metaphorical and it's, and it's less a thing than I think it's a means to control the entirety of the Delos system. So that we've seen in, in the behind the scenes of sort of, the factory floor, if you will, the intersection of a couple of different worlds, mm-hmm. uh, Westworld and Samurai World predominantly. I can't remember if we've seen a glimpse of any other world, but there are at least six parks, right? Yeah. And I think part of what the younger William showed Dolores that she's heading for now is a means to activate the intersection of all those parks and therefore build the largest army you could imagine. Uh, and then use that to break out of Westworld or, yeah. you know, the park system I, out of Delos. Right. I think it's less physical. Um, I think you don't, is. you don't think it's the iron giant. I me- <laughs> Mecca MacGuffin. Yeah. Um, so, uh, I think it's, um, Williams already alluded to the idea that he's using this, uh, as blackmail. Uh, it could be, uh, Facebook selling data, uh, like yeah. Ben, you mentioned earlier off off uh, the pod, but um, I, I think it's blackmail, which was alluded to a lot in the first season. Just blackmail info on everyone. Yeah, everyone yeah. who's in here because everyone who's in here has done horrific things. Oh, in yeah. Westworld, I got you. Everyone who's uh, everyone who's ever been a guest, right? And, and wasn't it established in episode one by um, sort of the Bernard scenes behind when he and Charlotte uh, finally found refuge in in wherever they went underground that. I mean, Bernard realized that the drones were mining the human minds mm-hmm. for their data. Yes. And that they had a way to do that. Well, right. that's, you know, there's the your blackmail angle right there. Yeah. Okay. And I think that that's distinct but related. I, I, I think Charlotte's buyers don't just want the blackmail. They want to rebuild Westworld. They want access to, to everything that makes Westworld run so that they can make their own Westworld. At least that was the, the setup from season one, but maybe that's changed. My sense from from last episode, and without you know diving too much deeper into episode one, was that the the people that Charlotte are working for that built the drones and have the drones doing a purpose is for reasons along militarization angle, right? Yep. Right, that they're going to use, they're going to weaponize all these mm. drones, yep. yep, and build an army for sale, yep, or 
to the highest bidder or whatever, or technology that will revolutionize that kind of thing. And spycraft, not just, we've been thinking right. of them on, you know, on the on ground, grids, right. but yeah. I think they're probably more expensive than that. Yeah. Or even just really good fighter pilots. I mean, they're, they are, you know, the, the most skilled of soldiers. Well, and if we take the whole spycraft angle even further, I mean, in this episode, the whole unveiling of the proposition to Logan, yeah. uh, where he meets the the cocktail party room of uh, robots and doesn't realize that the entire room is full of robots until they all freeze. You know, that's that's just an example of, just think if, if you could just infiltrate life with a bunch of those yep. and, you know, you'd be controlling stuff without knowing that, you know, anyone was being controlled, right? And what if you could combine it with what you talked about with Charlotte of mining people's brains? Yeah. And now it's not only could this stranger in the party be a robot, but my wife could be a robot. Yeah. And my wife knows me incredibly well. Yeah. Right. And everything that I, that, uh, that pushes me one way or the other motivates me or frustrates me or, or, you know, makes me happy, makes me sad. Well, that's beyond any kind of control that we're talking about now. And could be replaced at any moment by a robot, and I wouldn't notice. Right. If, if they sufficiently mind her mind. Well, that yeah. was a fun sentence. And, and, spe- and speaking of which, and I don't think this is really true, but it, I think you mentioned it in the pre-pod, Ben, that that scene in the bar where the man in black and, uh, who is it, Hector, are hanging out, and he, the man in black is sort of giving himself first aid. Yeah. For a yeah. moment there, I thought, Man, that that thing works on humans too. It not just works on, yeah, on robots, right? And it started to wonder, hmm, what about this man in black? Everybody's oh. a robot. <laughs> Crazy. Yeah, that's a good point. I didn't even think about it that way. I was just. I like, don't really think that's the case, though. It and it would be way better if it, you know, if he wasn't a robot. They did. I mean, but, what was it in the first scene? I believe when uh, Bernard, or I guess it's Arnold's talking to Dolores. He said something like, uh, you, and, you and Charlie have a lot in common, talking about his son. And that was the moment I was like, oh, maybe he made his son. Yeah. Just like, just like we saw Robert make himself, his younger self, right, as the, a clone or whatever, or a robot. It's like, oh, okay, maybe that. Well, Charlie was a bigger piece, obviously, last, last season. Right. Maybe uh, he so, remade him after his death. Right, right, something like that. Yeah, and I sort of, I wondered about that. During that scene, I wondered, where are we in the timeline of this scene as far as Charlie's death? Is Bernard putting on a good face and just, is it a fantasy that he was going to, you know, he was building this house to move his family in, but did Charlie die before that? And right. now his whole, now this house is never going to be finished right. and he's never going to live out that world. So did he implant Charlie into Dolores? Is that the root of who Dolores really is? Charlie? Uh, but I don't know. That might that's just me going down a time. rabbit trail. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah. so Ben, last week did I mention the video game Near Automata? I don't believe so, but I zone out a lot when you talk. That's great. So <laughs> nice. I've been playing this video game called Near Automata, <laughs> where you play as an android, and uh, the basic plot is uh, some aliens took over the world, and all the humans live on the moon. And uh, the aliens took over the world with robots, and the humans have sent androids down to battle the robots, and now you but- battle giant robots. All right, obvious, simple video game plot. Um, but I've heard that it's a really amazing game and that it's like as good as Blade Runner in terms of thinking about AI and things like that. And so that's what got me really excited about it. Yeah. So I'm only about three or four hours in and 
it, it's becoming clear that the robots that look like kind of R2-D2 with, with maybe arms, so they're, they're pretty non-humanoid, the robots are definitely not just robots. They have, you know, thoughts and feelings and stuff like that. And so they start saying, you know, do not kill me, help, help, where usually they just go beep boop. And it's like right. hearing R2 say that, you're like, oh, no. And you start to put together that I may not be the good guy in this. Oh. And then you you come across a scene, this is fairly early on, if you don't want to be spoiled for Nier Automata, sorry, where there's about 80 robots, and they're all like playing house. And there's one rocking a cradle, and most of them are <clears throat> trying to have sex, but they, they're R2-T2, they don't have parts for it. <laughs> so they're just miming it in these gratuitous ways. Gross. And so the the reason I, I bring that up is the there's some illusion in that scene that, you know, maybe there's there may not be any humans. Right. They, they may the, the world may have died a long time ago and they're playing out these battles because they were programmed to. And what you said about William and, you know, is he a robot too? I don't think that would be a a disappointing twist for me. Uh is if it turns out that they all are robots. Uh, it gets to the question of, you know, are we living in the simulation kind of thing? Yeah. And our own obsession with simulating our own life, which, you know, if we could simulate our own life and build the perfect robot, why wouldn't that robot then try to create more robots? It would be like, well, Jay, us. you know, who loves staring at their own reflection? <sighs> Everybody. Everybody. <laughs> Everybody. <laughs> so let's talk a little bit about that. You've opened that door, yeah. Ben. So in, in this episode, we're introduced to the middle-aged William, right? Let's let's yeah. roughly call it that. This yeah. is the William after his initial baptism in Westworld, where he was sort of the dorky guy that we were introduced to in in season one. That over the course of that time evolves and becomes, you know, much more powerful than Logan. And by the way, the Logan that we saw in this episode is more of a middle-aged Logan who's become some sort of a drug addict, right? Yeah. So what, how do we think William has changed from the last time we saw him in season one to the middle-aged guy he is now? Yeah, what a nerd. When you first saw him, he couldn't even murder anyone. Totally. Jeez. <laughs> Loser. <laughs> what, a, what a square. Uh, yeah, I mean, it, it, I'm trying to remember exactly how it ends with him and Dolores on the train at the end of the first season. But basically, it seems like he got to the end of whatever he was searching for and woke up where it came to the conclusion that they're all robots. I think that's one of the, the last scene he says, you're a robot or you're a machine or whatever he says to Dolores. And so he's completely jaded to any life or consciousness that they might have and loses all his naivete and becomes a hardened emotional person. Right. Right. And I think that was just the realization that there is no puzzle or, or, you know, woke up one day and Dolores had reverted back to who she was three days ago. That kind of thing had some sort of spark in the, at the end of that first season arc that was just kind of like, you're not a person that I'm you know, falling in love with or whatever was happening with him in his brain, realizing that they're human and all that kind of stuff. Something snapped him back to like, no, they're not. Maybe it was Logan punching him in the face or whatever after he found him running around naked in the desert. Uh, but something happened to him, I think, that that made him just go cold. I don't know what that could have been. J.D., any guesses? Yeah, I, th- I think William is this kind of like um... – false existential crisis where he he is naive at the beginning the whole world has meaning love really matters and he really is marrying the boss's daughter just because he's in love with her right and as he progresses through Westworld, they show him it shows him what it means to be human and kind of our baser desires and things like that and as he does that he has this existential crisis where he says you know life has no meaning you're all just a bunch of things 
you don't matter to me. And so I, I'm very, very cynical and I'm over it all. Um, but if he's so cynical, why is he, why is he still murdering Dolores? If he's why is he still going back this, there every day. Yeah. Why, why is he going back to this? And it's clear that like, he doesn't believe life has no meaning. He is angry at the lack of meaning that he has found in life. It's somebody, mm-hmm. you know, screaming at God and saying, why don't you exist? Right. As opposed to, you know, what Dolores is doing, which is killing God, uh, which is, you know, setting out on her own to try and create new meaning. Uh, but William has, has not done that. William has not sought to create meaning. He's had this, he, he kind of got a little existential crisis, got scared, and then just got angry and threw a tantrum. Uh, Dolores had the full-on existential crisis and has moved beyond it. And is like, well, then let's go experience this new world and build something terrifying and strange and do whatever I want. Uh, but so where do you think middle-aged William is now? Because he seems now in his scenes with uh, uh, James Delos. And by the way, big shout out to Peter Mullen, that actor. He's, yeah. He just nails it. I love his work. Yeah. You know, he seems – William now seems like – totally the calculating business guy yes. right and and the heir apparent he's you know james delos is going to die of cancer and isn't happy about it and isn't happy that everything hasn't progressed fast enough to come to a fruition that he's going to be loving before he dies and that william's going to inherit all the benefit of his investment yeah he he's going out to to use his newfound cynicism to manipulate and make the most of life, and I I will get all the money because I have mm. none of the feelings, right? Which he will slowly realize is not true, uh, as we know, because he'll become the man in black, which is right. somebody who is full of feelings and, and caring about things. Right. Let's take a, another leap. If I can ask one more question about William, where do we? And and I don't mean a predictive kind of what's going to happen next episode kind of way, but. Where do where do we see the man in black heading? Uh, and I don't mean physically. I mean, you know, he he talked uh, to I think it was Hector in, in one speech somewhere about he's going to he's going to burn this whole thing down or what was his what was his quote? Do you guys remember? I think he was talking to Lawrence, right? Was yeah. he talking to Lawrence? Yeah, I'm, I'm sorry. I'm yeah. You're right. You're right. Yeah, and what does that mean in in a real world sense? I You know, in in my mind, it, it doesn't seem like he. He's talking about, I'm going to literally burn the park down. Yeah, it, it could be, I'm going to unleash Mecha MacGuffin, uh, if it's yeah. a physical thing. Yeah. But I, I think it's it's the the blackmail thing, which is, if if everyone sees everyone's blackmail, then no one has anything. Sort of uh, mutually assured destruction. Yeah, yeah, I'm going to end the Cold War. I'm going to just put it all out there, and we'll have to all deal with the fact that we are human. We're all perverts. Yeah, that yep. makes sense. That 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 could be where he's heading for sure. We're, so you don't think that there was a thing like he he said, "I want to show you something," which is apparently how we're going to end every episode of Westworld. Now, right. I'll show you the truth. Well, uh, we had like four of them in this one. <laughs> I know. And he shows her some. Oh, he shows her the cranes, right? Some cranes that yep. were like excavating some land. Yep. You think at the bottom of that there's just a button that says like "release all the blackmail stuff"? <laughs> yeah, I, I'm assuming it's a gigantic <laughs> server farm full of uh, full of blackmail stuff. Okay. Because it's there, there's the so here's the deal. If if what he is showing her is going to be something visually stunning, yeah. Then there's not a lot of irony in terms of him showing her just a pit that like this is going to be the foundation for the Statue of Liberty. That's it Have seems you ever so seen weird. Anything so spectacular? Right. It's like well, it'll be spectacular once you build it, but this isn't that spectacular. That's why I think that the spectacular thing has to be an idea. And so, the, so the what was he showing Dolores? There. 
He, yeah. He's shown her where the server farm is going to go. And therefore, since it's just the idea of the server farm, the, the whole plan is spectacular. I guess. Uh, yeah. And showing that matters. Sure. Have you ever think, seen something so spectacular? It's Steve Jobs' garage. You know, this is where it's all going to happen. So much splendor. So much splendor. Uh, and I do like, I mean, I know we're, I know there's a real opportunity to get, as you said at the top of the episode, Jason, really get sick of that line because it's used over and over again. But I think it, I think it's really a poetically used line throughout every instance. And it, and it means something different every time it feels like. And the, the fun for me in hearing it over and over again was to try to contextualize it in each scene it was said and try to link up those contexts to try to make sense of what's really happening. Well, uh, like how a, how a particular musical note or theme can be repurposed through new contexts yes. and things like that, uh, which is a lot of what Westworld is about. You know, taking those songs and repurposing them in the first season, which they're not yeah. doing this time. Yeah. Right? They're using older songs. That's uh, true. Not, not 90s and tr- 2000s nostalgia. The idea of the, of the player piano, it's it's programmed. So what, what love is there in the player piano? What what romance, what emotion is there in those songs? And it's like, well, a hell of a lot. You know, you can and, listen to a CD and get, get the emotional meaning out of the song. Uh, just like these robots, even though they're programmed, there's still a great deal of life in them. Well, it's an, and it's interesting that they set up the whole player piano situation in the first season um, so that when you heard those songs, you know, it, they had context right. because you were hearing them through the player piano. But what's a player piano? It's a robot playing music. And what do we have several times in this in this episode? We've got Dolores playing music. Yep. We've got Angela playing music, or or yep. no, who Clementine? Yeah, wasn't it playing yeah. music? Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, we have a different kind of player piano in this episode. Yes, yeah, that's a good. I call. think they're they're trying to drive that point home. Hey, and I I don't know if this might be the time for it, but I got to tell you the. The preamble, if I can call it that, the pre-opening credits yeah, yeah, yeah. scenes, wow. I just cool. thought that was fantastic. I just thought it was put together really, really well, how it was constru- constructed and edited. I thought the score was amazing during that preamble, and the cues were great. So I got to give another shout-out to um, Raman Jwadi, I think, who's the does the music. Just really fantastic stuff, more, more so than I remember noting in in other episodes do you mean the like the theme song or do you mean like the the arnold no, pre-theme scene. song the whole the whole yeah arnold Cold, Wick, okay gotcha, gotcha yeah the the open gotcha you know that was scored as well right yeah yeah, yeah, uh, yeah and i just thought i thought i thought the content of that open was really great a great way to launch in the episode because uh, it showed you something new it showed you dolores in the real world we've never knew that happened Saw it a couple times today. Yeah. And and it set up some stuff that echoed throughout the rest of the episode, which was cool. Mm-hmm. And set up uh, that line to work really well. I mean, that was heartbreaking. Yeah. Which yeah. it says it the second time. Yeah. Um, and not not because you feel bad for Arnold, uh, having not, you know, created his great robot, but because Dolores, you know, you you right. care for Dolores yeah. at this point. And to realize that she's not there yet uh hurts. Definitely. All right, so last question. Do we think this show is actually subverting the tropes of the actions and dramas that it's uh, kind of showing that glamorize gore and nudity, or is it just continuing to promote them? And if it is subverting them or, or doing something with them, what's the overall commentary uh, or motive of it? 
Because it seems to have a morality, right, that these things are bad, right? That having sex and abusing robots and murdering robots is bad. The bad guys in this do that. Yeah, I don't think it's that. Um, I think it's it's kind of an anti-morality. Of, oh, really? Um, yeah, of not that we should objectify women, particularly the ones who are mostly nude, which I think is why you're getting some more balancing here. Yeah. Uh, you know, see, season two could have been like, okay, we'll do no nudity then. Uh, if it was going to be more moral, but now we're going to show male nudity. I th- I think it's uh, really trying to get us to it, the question is, you know, what does it mean to be human? Violence, sex, uh, often the two mixed in human history. That's what it's meant to be human. And so it's not necessarily, I, I don't think it wants to glorify those. I think it wants them to feel bad, but I don't think it wants it to be like, and we shouldn't have shows about it, or we shouldn't right. use those things for entertainment. It's, humans will use this for entertainment. This is what it, you know, it's showing us our humanity in a pretty dark way. Yeah, what do you think, Ben? Yeah, I, I'm just thinking about shows that I, I love or, or, um, or stories that I love that are able to successfully subvert. And they, it's really hard to do without at one point in there glamorizing or encouraging that thing. I think cabin in the woods is a great example of, of something that is it's making fun of and kind of maybe that's even too strong, I, I, but it's it's picking all the tropes of horror movies, right, in a funny way. Uh, but at the same time, it's a terrifying movie, right? Yeah. And it, it has all of the uh, the tropes that it's commenting on, but it's also doing them at the same time. So I don't know how successful it is in changing the genre right. other than just being a commentary on it. And I'm wondering if Westworld is actually trying to change something, I think what, I think what you said, Jason was spot on of just like, I don't think it's trying to change anything. It's just kind of commenting on it and saying like, nah, naked is naked. Like that's and, what we and do. Trying, to, trying to show it to us. Yeah. Not, not be like, see game of Thrones. Look, this is edgy. It'd be like, eh, it's not edgy. It's just right. naked people. Right. That was the, the con- in contrasting specifically with game of Thrones, which is not trying to say that's bad. Right. right? It's just right. saying like naked is the great. It's HBO. We can do Ooh, this. Let's show sexy. all the naked. And all the guts and all the blood or whatever. And this, I, w- I was so in my face with like the first couple episodes of season one. It was like, it's just a naked dude sitting on a couch, a naked lady sitting on the table, like all the time. So in your face, maybe I was expecting there to be a message to that. that was like, we shouldn't be doing this guys. This is objectifying people and people are more than the skin and or whatever, you know, but it's yeah. not, it's not getting preachy and it's not, I kind of wish it was telling me something other than just like, this is what we are. Well, it, it is preaching that the sermon that it's preaching is that this is what we are. Yeah. Um, we're just humans. Yeah. Uh, okay. It's, it's a, one of the major themes we talked about last week was, uh, you know, Nietzsche and the death of God. And they actually mentioned in this episode, we killed God. Did I dream that? I got that. No, no. Oh, Dolores okay. said no, no. that. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Good. yeah. I don't know. Anything <laughs> yeah. more to add to that, Hori? We don't have to have it. No. Okay. No. Okay. All right. Lightning round. Lightning round. Let's do it. Pew, 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 pew. All right. Uh, what stories or characters are you most interested in uh, following, and what ones are you most interested in writing? So we'll do first round. Who are you most interested in, Ben? I would say middle-aged William, right? There's right. kind of, you know, yeah. Yeah, I'll, I'll stick with that one. I already said it. Uh, middle-aged William, how he got from being that naive William to the the jaded one. I don't think we're going to see that, uh, although we could see more time travel. Who knows? Uh, but, you know, seeing how he got from middle-aged, jaded, take over the world, these are all robots, William, to old William, where he's just, like, obsessed with this map and kind of, one, you know, and the weapon and the map and kind of the logistics of that, I'm, I'm definitely interested in. Yeah. Jorge? I guess if I'd have to pick one, it, it's 
it's always going to be Bernard's story, I think. Even though no Bernard was the, this week. There was a Bernard free round. But uh, but that makes sense because, you know, I think next week's, uh, and we'll get into predictions in a little bit, but I think next week is going to focus on a different character, right? And we're going we're gonna to sort of mostly see that character. But for me, it's Bernard because I think, n- number one, I still don't have it clear in my mind, and I think that's, I think the, the show's designed that way, about how much is Bernard Bernard and how much is Bernard the robot. Mm-hmm. And that's an always interesting place to be moment to moment with that character. Plus, on top of that, you've got a, a Bernard whose programming or functioning has been impaired by shooting himself in the head. And as we saw in the last episode, him having to inject himself with cranial fluid in order to avert a, a pending meltdown. So we've got a not fully functioning robot Bernard that might have as much of the essence of the real Bernard in him as ever existed. And Bernard, I think, has a lot of keys to what might happen with Ford's plan. Because, you know, I think Ford's plan is sort of as a result of coming over to the light side of Bernard, right? He Ford been living in the dark side. And now he finally, after many years, understood where Bernard was coming from and designed his exit and the journey into the night to be an antidote to all that years of failure. So I'm always interested in what's happening with Bernard. Yeah, I, Jorge, I think you're right. Um, I think Bernard is the um, kind of the frame narrator of this season. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we're we're going to come back to Bernard at the end, and we will understand the first 10 minutes of the season in a completely different way once we right. get his two weeks. Uh, and I think it'll be really interesting. I would have said middle-aged William uh, because of this episode, because I really am fascinated in that. I'll say Maeve because uh, I love her as a character. And I, I want to flip it because we're going to talk about who you're most dreading now. And I'll say um, Man in Black, the older William. Uh, mainly I, I like the scenes he's in. I enjoy them. I don't think his story is going to pay off. It's two I, weeks I in a row for you. Hopes. Well, I, I think until it, until I'm proven wrong, it will be. Um, <laughs> oh, it will be. So I'm you're dreading from a right, so ben, sort of show construction point of view or from a, you're invested in a character and worried about the characters. No, I'm not life. that invested in the character. Yeah. Um, and the construction has been, you know, in the, in the first season, it was about him solving that puzzle. Right. And, he was told repeatedly, this is not for you. And it was a way of them poking fun at the people who watch Lost and the people who watch True Detective and all that and try to figure out the mystery before everyone else does. And it's like, this, it's not for you. We told you all along, it's not for you. It's a puzzle for the robots to figure out. Right. And so now we've got him on another game. Clearly something... That is for him. Ford set up just for him. Right. And it's like, I, but you taught me in the first season not to care about that. I'm not sure that I care. What... Right. What William is going to discover there. But yeah, we'll see. Ben, who who are you dreading? Marsden. Sorry, Teddy. Yeah. I've hated you since nineteen ninety nine. Your Scott Summers <laughs> whining teacher, brown nosing it's just you, you are no longer invited to talking Teddy. <laughs> Welcome to Talking Teddy. Did you do do? Yeah, I don't know. I, him waking up, I was just like, I get it. We've seen we've seen Maeve, we've seen Angela, we've seen all these people wake up and they're pissed and want, let's just move on. I'm tired of it. Like, wake up your people and go. Like, let's. And like I said earlier, this is kind of like this is the people mover episode. We got people from A to B. 
on their kind of journey. We see the endpoint for them, and they moved a little bit. I don't think we got a lot of new puzzles or anything in this episode. We weren't presented with new things. Uh, so yeah, I think Teddy, along with just like other hosts waking up, I just I get it. Wake up and do something. That was the only part where I was kind of like dragging, dreading this week. I guess. Yeah. Jorge, what are you look? What are you least looking forward to? It's it's interesting because up until this episode, I would have completely agreed with you, Jason. My pick would have been the Man in Black. I'm I'm by the end of season one, I was really tired of the Man in Black storyline, and and also not very emotionally invested in what happened to him or what his choices were going to be, and it didn't feel like you know anything he was really doing was moving the greater big picture forward in any kind of way. But it, it, this episode has made me more intrigued in that. And mostly because of a middle-aged William and what's been revealed about him. So I, I, I can't say I dread anybody uh, in this thing. I mean, I, I'm just enjoying, you know, watching it all. And I think after so many seasons of game of Thrones, I've, come to the conclusion that, hey, I'm just going to have the attitude that every character is going to die. So let's just watch how it happens. As opposed to caring too much about whether they do or don't. Well, speaking of, it's uh, prediction time. I'll uh, be willing to go out first. William will die before the season is out. And I think Dolores kills him. As for next week, I think it's Maeve-centric with some uh, Bernard Charlotte uh, side, side points. Yeah. Ben, how about you? Uh, I'm trying to figure out what this means. Virtue e fortuna. Virtue, good, good Virtue luck? Virtue fortune. Oh, yeah. Virtue and fortune. Okay. Yeah. Is fortune, good luck. Yeah. Spanish? Latin. Uh, what's the letter in the middle? Is it literally in the E? It's an E. The, uh, Italian? That's the episode name for, season, or for uh, episode three. So it's next week. Oh. So yeah. Virtue and fortune next week. Uh, I... I don't have something for next week as much as I think season long. I'm just trying to bridge the, th- the things that we were presented with in this episode was the, the weapon that we think the man in black mm-hmm. and Dolores and Teddy are all going towards. And also is the thing that middle-aged William showed Dolores back in the day. Uh, and I think it has something to do with James Dellos. I think, I don't know if it's a button on his corpse or I don't know what it's going to be, but it has something to do with him. We were presented with that character for, the, I believe the first time ever, right? Right. He was in uh, at least two scenes. Yeah. And I don't so, think we knew that Dellos was named after him. Until yeah. this episode. Yeah, yeah. And so, yeah, I think it's going to have something to do with him. Maybe he was buried in the park. Maybe it's just going to be a shrine to him. But, yeah, they're going to tie that back in because we were presented with that today. And we were presented with the weapon today, too. Yeah, I'm going to agree that we're going to learn a little bit more about the weapon, if not all of it, uh, for next week. Uh, I also think uh, I agree with Jason as far as next week being a, a Mave episode, if you will. Uh I think because of the power of the story arc that Dolores is at the center of, she's driving the major pieces on the puzzle uh, that we're every episode is going to have a piece of Dolores in it. Yeah. Maybe not as Dolores centric, let's say as other episodes, perhaps as this one, but uh, always they, they can't get away from that storyline too much because it's such a big one. Yeah. So that's the deal. And you know, I would, I think I'd be very satisfied to agree with Jason's prediction for the season that it will see the end of William or see, well, the man in black, the same yeah, thing. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And, but I, I guess what I'm left thinking or wondering or hoping might be in play is 
when he comes to his end, is it with the realization that he was wrong all along? Mm-hmm. Or is it some like, yes, I got to where I needed this thing to yeah. go, yeah. so I'm happy to check out now? Ooh, I just thought of a snarky prediction that I think might come true along that those lines. I was going to say, well, I'm looking forward to middle-aged William dying. Yeah. <laughs> and then I was like, wait a minute. We already talked about old William possibly being a robot. Mm-hmm. What if middle-aged William was made by Logan yep. or Dolores or someone? We don't, or sorry, old William was made by him. You know, after, like you said, Jason, Dolores kills middle-aged William. Yep. And that would be a shocker, right? That would be a big surprise if in episode six, middle-aged William dies, who is this yep. character that is can't die. We already know what he looks like when he's old. Yep. But, dude, guys, we already saw him healing himself with the crazy gun that we saw robots get healed with. Right. And what what better poetic justice on the part of Robert Ford if he created the man in black? Totally. The, the coward Robert Ford. But go on. <laughs> dude, the fake host, right? He's the, he, or he, he's the, yeah, he's a fake host, but he's also a fake human going around terrorizing people, pretending to be human the whole time. That's also is, why he's afraid of death. Because he's died That's a Teddy's introduction. Times. You're blowing yeah. my mind. Dude, I like this. Oh. Blowing right, my one mind. La- one last thing. Yeah. Um, William's daughter is going to be a big part of this season. Oh, yeah. We got oh. to introduce the, uh, his, his wife and, and daughter. Yep. We know that uh, he and the daughter are on the outs. Um, I'm not sure exactly what role she'll take, but I'm interested to see it. You think, th- you think this season's going to be about that daughter being old enough, you know, an, coming to an adulthood where we see that? That stuff, I guess we'd have to, unless we all deal with it in flashback. Yep. Because part of the reason I think this is the end for The Man of Black is because I think Ed Harris might be just like, yeah, I'm done. Yeah. Is Charlotte Williams' daughter? (sighs) No. Because his daughter's name is Emily. Yeah. Charlotte, Emily, aren't those two Bronte? Those are two Bronte sisters, aren't they? Oh, nice. Wow. Well done. Well done. Uh, all right. Well, I think we're, uh, we're a little punchy. So uh, let's go on and get out of here. Good thing we had a quick episode this week, guys. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> uh, you can uh, find us online at uh, overthinkpod.com. We're on Twitter at overthinkpod. You can find me on Twitter at Helm Street. Jorge, where can they find you? They can find me uh, very very many different places. They can find me certainly through the overthink at uh, overthoughts casts like this one and others that I've done. And they can also find me at cinesoul.com. All right. And Ben, I am on Twitter at the Ben helps. Um, all right. Uh, this game was meant for you, but you must play it alone. I'll see you in the Valley beyond. See you there, Ben. Hey <laughs> guys, yeah. death isn't what it used to be. It's so not true. what it used to be, Lord. So Overthinkpod.com. It's not a place, it's a weapon. And I'm going to use it to destroy them. <laughs> Thanks for listening to Overthoughts, a part of the Overthink Podcast Network. Uh, if you like what you heard, please subscribe to the Podcast Network. And if you're really feeling generous, go ahead and rate and review us on iTunes. That would really help us out in a big way uh, and would help us create more content to share with you as well. So, as always, you can check out our website at overthinkpod.com. And our handle is at overthinkpod pretty much everywhere else. So, go ahead and give us a follow on Twitter and Instagram and like us on Facebook. And that would help us by spreading the word. 
Uh, we're always interested in hearing from listeners, so please drop us a line and let us know what you think of the show. If you have any questions, comments, concerns, that kind of thing. Uh, maybe even if you want to suggest uh, some topics for us to cover on a podcast, that'd be great. You can email us at overthinkpod at gmail.com. Thanks again for stopping by. Thanks again for stopping by.